there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Uh, Rohan is traveling today and will be back later in the week to answer for his many sins from our last show, some of which will be discussed on today's episode. Uh, but until then, Chris, how was your weekend, my man? All right, man. How was yours? It was wonderful. I just got back from uh, a brief, uh, all too brief vacation, little mini vacation in the south of France. I highly recommend everyone going. Um, I actually was hit up by a few of our uh, Open Floor Globe listeners who are in France, uh, who had some very nice things uh, to say to me and welcomed me into their nation with open arms. So that was wonderful. Um, yes, the, the I, I enjoy the Mediterranean Sea, it turns out. It's, it's very nice. You had a nice tan going, which made me extremely jealous. <laughs> I, I do love Chicago this time of year. Anybody that knows me knows I love I'm not a big Chicago summer guy, but I think Chicago, like right in that fall, like almost fall weather where you're in the 70s every day and it's not too hot, not too humid, is beautiful. But I'm I'm kind of ready to go somewhere, and I was quite jealous of we had to do a Zoom call last week for our top 100, and I was like, oh, damn, Michael's got a nice tan going. And uh, (laughs) while I'm not normally looking to travel to go get a tan anywhere necessarily, I, I would not mind. Uh, getting out of this country um it's been too long since i've been out of this country so i would not mind doing that so i was jealous i i recommend it i must say um so chris we have a lot to get to on today's show but before we do you rohan and i uh we just want to thank everyone in the open floor globe for emailing us some truly stupendous questions over the past few days uh please keep them coming to openfloormail at gmail.com that's openfloormail at gmail.com uh chris we are going to kick things off today by opening up the mailbag again very exciting um, we have a few reactions to the 2,000-degree uh, debate Rohan and I had last week regarding a hypothetical one-on-one tournament, a super important topic, and our listeners clearly agreed. So I'm just going to read a few of the main reactions that poured in and then ask you here to kind of weigh in with your thoughts. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So our first email is from Thomas, who writes... I respect the boldness of your KG take, but it is ridiculous. I'm not going to pretend I have an encyclopedic knowledge of retired NBA players, but I know enough to know that KG would not be in the top five. 
my top five would probably be Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaq, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Timmy Duncan. Thanks for doing the pod. I will still keep listening. That was from Thomas. <laughs> Wonderful. That last what, line. What, what? I'll still keep listening. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> shout out to you thomas that was wonderful um it's okay to, we're all wrong sometimes nobody's perfect but we appreciate you reaching out and um and sharing your your point of view um, our next email is from harry who writes only in the open floor world could i find myself agreeing with my polar opposite a celtics fan who eats ketchup and likes adam sandler movies I'd gladly chew my arm off before being any of those. But I have to admit, your KG pick makes a lot of sense. He has a sufficient offensive arsenal to consistently get buckets, though I think you slightly overrate him as a bucket getter. Defensively, I agree that the brute force of a prime shack notwithstanding, he'd be a nightmare for just about anyone else in this hypothetical tournament. The thing you left under-discussed was the mental aspect of one-on-one. There's nowhere to hide, no one to defer to, and thus no escape from the endless talking and ruthless mind games that KG would undoubtedly unleash. We think of most of these guys as unshakable, but we've actually seen and heard the legend of KG's verbal assaults and seen NBA stars wilt as a result. The trash talk of the glove, the competitiveness of Michael Jordan, and the defensive abilities of Anthony Davis, I'd put a few dollars on that. Um, and there are several more emails, I'm just being honest, that came in and with apologies to Rohan, who is not here to defend himself, nearly all of them were in my favor. Um, basically, the consensus was that even the people who would not 100% select KG for this exercise were still all for him as a legitimate choice. Uh, A.K.A. Rohan was was wrong, and I was right. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, I now want to uh, I want you to jump in here, and I have two quick questions for you. Uh, the first is, I'm just curious, who would you pick in this one-on-one tournament among all former players competing in their primes? So of, of former players, I think I'm taking Michael Jordan and just not overcomplicating it too much. Uh, look, he he would he would struggle a little bit in the post, but you know the only thing I, I started really thinking about that you guys didn't talk about a whole whole lot is were there guys that would be able to win a game like that by just being so good from the outside, where their two point shots count for more, and they just get on a hot streak like. Is there a conversation to be had about Steph if we're playing make it, take it, where certain guys that can dominate Steph in the post just aren't getting a chance to touch the ball? Um, maybe it depends on who gets the ball first, and that's all that comes into it. Um, but if, if I'm not overcomplicating it, I, I like Michael just because his post game was disgusting. Uh, I mean, obviously he was you know just unbelievable from mid-range. He would play pretty good defense if you know if you take him into the post in your Shack, that's one thing. And there's that clip that always floats around of Michael and and Shaq messing around before the All Star game of Shaq going between his legs and kind of shaking Michael. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, Shaq was talented in a way that I think some of his playfulness could actually help him in a one on one. But I I'm not taking anybody over Michael for exactly the reasons that were laid out in Harry's email about the idea of his competitiveness. He's gonna talk his shit too, which he did to, you know, there are those clips of him coming back during his retirement to a bulls practice. And just, was it trying to remember who it was that said something to him? And he was like, okay, we're going to play right now. And he just embarrassed him. And obviously that was just one dude, but I mean, Michael, I'm not really taking anybody over a prime Michael in one-on-one settings. Uh, I'm just not. And, uh, I, I don't know any way around that one. I thought about it a little bit, and thought about Hakeem, and I just didn't feel good enough about, like, I went back and watched a bunch of Hakeem clips where I think he was so fluid as a defender and had enough of a jump shot, uh, maybe not to three-point range, but he didn't really create a whole lot outside of, like, it was rare that you saw him have to dribble more than three times, um, and it was normally just to kind of take a pull-up jumper as, as opposed to catch and shoot. So I, mm-hmm. the Garnett pick, like, I actually understand Garnett more than Olajuwon because Garnett, could handle the ball a little bit more than than Hakeem, but still had a lot of the defensive fluidity that Hakeem had. 
Yeah. So we actually got an email that I did not share in the outline from from Daniel, who wanted us to talk about like how Steph would do in a tournament like this. And uh, Daniel admits that he is a uh, a Warriors fan, but I do think that that is a really interesting. Um, point there i mean if he started it's just like there's no stop we've seen it in a f- in like you know double teaming steph curry is kind of useless most of the time so one-on-one he's going to get a shot off against anybody and as we've seen he can hit contested threes and what if he got hot it's just it's kind of all over i i don't want to say i dismiss him in something like this but the defense is just there are sure. a lot of mismatches where if he's going up against a certain type of player it could be trouble um, but my next question for you about this, and then we'll move on. Um, even though I could read these emails all day that are praising, um, how I performed in our debate, uh, <laughs> is just, do you think I am ridiculous for picking Kevin Garnett in this exercise? No, I mean, and I think at a, at a minimum, it was at least thoughtful because, you know, as was this Thomas that brought that up? No, it was Harry. It was Harry's email. Um, mm-hmm. KG is is ruthless in a way that other guys are not. And so I think you do have to factor that in a little bit. Like, I'll give you an example of someone that I would consider for this sort of exercise, uh, who you did mention, actually, in your conversation with Rohan. I think Jokic, actually, is like an interesting sort of person to consider because he, if you leave him wide open, he's going to shoot. Even if you're right up mm-hmm. on him, he can do that Sambor shuffle. Um, you know, he can back you down until you're one inch away from the basket. Um, He's not a great defender, but again, like if you miss one shot, Jokic could easily reel off a number of of scores against you in a number of different ways. Like the only thing he's really not going to do a whole lot of is just, you know, burst past you to the the basket, but depending on how you play him, he could still get to the basket. So he's a really interesting defender, but then I think about Jokic and kind of mentally that he's not, I mean, we remember the way this man went out in the playoffs. Uh, can you imagine him playing against KG slapping, and, and slapping Cam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine Jokic just having a meltdown in the middle of a one-on-one game against KG? So like that matters a little bit more than I think Rohan didn't acknowledge that part of it very much. Um, and I also think, I mean, KG did have a number of ways that he could score. He was a total beast. Like he probably looked at it from the standpoint of the Boston stuff with you and why you, mm-hmm. you know, why you would pick him. Uh, that man was a beast before he got to boston um and minnesota i mean there's a reason that he won MVP. he won mvp with the timberwolves the timberwolves incredible uh truly so i mean and i mean it's basically a team that aside from that has not been relevant with the exception of like jimmy butler one time so i mean and that that is like scraping you know the the very outer edge of, of relevance at that point so i mean he was really really scary offensively he was a total terror offensively defensively he was kind of insane i mean i i just wrote a whole hall of fame piece on chris weber earlier this week and it was funny because you know in my mind i'm like well weber hands down was the best big man passer of his era and then i mm-hmm. you know looked up and i was like oh shit kevin garnett averaged more assists per game than he did maybe the assist part of it doesn't matter for a one-on-one game i guess it doesn't but I mean, he could have scored more than he did. He was more of a skilled scorer than what he showed, I think, even just because he was a really great distributor. Um, so he would be – He, I mean, he he's a, he's a more interesting pick than I think Rohan gave credence to. He's not who I would pick. Um, but, like, you could make crazier picks. And I think, you know, similar to the last – was it the last podcast we did or two podcasts ago where you're talking about MVP odds? Like, if you're looking to put odds on someone where you would get the biggest return – because other guys are not going to take him or because he's more of a long shot, Garnett would be a wonderful pick. So I didn't I didn't think Rohan was crazy for saying, no, that's not who I'd take. But I think the degree to which he disagreed with you was was a little bit uh was a little bit out of step, I think. I agree, Chris. I'm I'm glad that we are um together. <laughs> I'm not on surprised this. that you agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not surprised and that you wh- don't disagree with yourself. <laughs> Yes, yes, that is very true. And what you just said about C-Web is really interesting because I remember um, um, KG has spoken about how C-Web was like one of his models. Like 
KG almost went to uh, the University of Michigan instead of going straight to the right. NBA because of the Fab Five and because of C-Webb. Um, so that's really kind of interesting um, just when you compare their games and just how like completely ahead of their time both of them were. And you wrote a terrific piece about that on SI.com that everyone should go check out. Um, and so uh, yeah, we're going to move on from here. I just wanted to shout out one more emailer, Grant. I don't want to read the entire thing because it's very long, but it was a, a wonderful email. Um, and uh, Grant's top three would be uh, KG in a one-on-one tournament, would be KG, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Will Chamberlain, who I thought was interesting. And uh, it's just uh, – obviously this exercise is really dumb because we – like. <laughs> I, I just I don't even know it. It's it's it bends my brain and breaks it actually. Um, trying to think about Will Chamberlain playing Kyrie Irving in one on one that just doesn't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't compute it. But it is a fun thought exercise. And thank you to everyone except for Rohan for kind of taking part um, in it with <laughs> us. We all appreciate you. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Um, okay, so we actually got um, another email here from Michael, who wrote this extremely long KG tangent, which I'm not going to to read here. Um, but at the end of it, he asked a very interesting question. And it was essentially, who are the best players from the 2016 and 2017 NBA drafts? And... I thought it would be fun to answer this email by uh, conducting a very quick redraft of both of those drafts, just up until the fifth pick, where we can kind of shake out the the just the top tier pecking orders, because there's so many fascinating superstars and really talented players um, that were selected in both of these of these drafts and polarizing players at that. So I was thinking that I would take the first pick in the 2017 draft, and then we can just go on. And you get the first pick in the 2016 draft. Okay. So for the sake of chronological order, why don't you kick us off with the 2016 draft and just who would you take if we were just redoing it over again? Oh, boy. It's a tough one. Um, I went with Jalen Brown is my top pick. You are everything, everything I just said about you that was nice, Chris, I take back. I'm sorry. That was, I was not expecting you to do that to me right there. Because you were going to take him with the top pick or because the pick was so bad? 
No, it was an excellent pick, and I was going to take him with the second pick. I thought that that would have been safe for me, but now I can't do that. I was not expecting. Can you? Okay, so you pick Jalen over. Sure. Um, who else is in the draft? Simmons, Ingram, Jamal Murray. Uh, just what, what was the thought process there? So, I've 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 been this way now for the last, ever since the Harden trade, where I remember a lot of people being surprised that. Um, that the Rockets didn't trade for Ben Simmons when they had the opportunity to to build their team around Ben Simmons when they got rid of Harden. Um, and I remember saying then at the time, and now, certainly now, after Ben Benjamin's awful you know playoff showing and their elimination, <laughs> I'm calling him by his full name because that was every time I think of that play where he passed out of the dunk, I think about being scolded by one of my own parents and being called by my full name as opposed to my nickname. <laughs> so, um, Benjamin, you, you shouldn't have to trade or, or take a franchise player that you're not sure you'd want to build your franchise around. So I don't think you could put Simmons there as the top guy from that draft anymore. He might be the most talented, um, but it, it, you, you have very few ways you can really build your team around someone like that or, or not very few ways, but you have to build, you have to build your team in a very specific sort of way. In a specific so way. A, right, right. It right. is, it is kind of very few ways. I mean, like, you know, there's no question now how you have to build your team if you're going to have him on it and, and him be like a max guy for you. Uh, I think Philly is a good example of that. So, you know, and who knows, maybe he'll go somewhere else and we'll see that like, maybe it just wasn't a fit between him and Embiid. Uh, which I remember at one point, I thought that they, I remember writing this in a piece, it looks a little silly now, but for a minute it looked, looked, looked like they could have been Shaq and Penny, uh, just as far mm-hmm. as, you know, the wing presence, like a really, really big wing player that's just immensely talented, a great passer, can score in the open court, and a, a big man that, you know, is just dominant. Um, and it'll it'll probably always kind of, you know, stick in Philly fans' craws that, you know, that it didn't quite work out that way, but... I couldn't put Simmons there and Jalen Brown, you know, to why I would have him number one for all the limitations you have with how you have to build your team around Simmons, Jalen Brown. I mean, to what I was saying a few moments ago before about uh, KG and all the things that he could do that, you know, we didn't even get to see him do it all because he was, you know, he was having to kind of involve other people. Jalen Brown's like such a good all around player that I think he probably could score more than he does, but he plays with Jason Tatum and was playing with Kemba Walker and was playing with Gordon Hayward and all these other guys. Really, really good defender already. Incredible IQ for a player. Um, you know, started out as like a really nice role sort of guy and already, in my opinion, has developed into a star. Um, and it has a sort of balance that the other guys in this class just don't have. And it seems like a ceiling. There's still a ways to go maybe until he hits its ceiling. I don't know that we'll even see his complete, complete ceiling with him being on a team with Jason Tatum. Um, so there's a little bit of that where I feel like on some level, um, the, the way we got to see Scottie Pippen play a little bit differently when Michael Jordan was out, there's some of mm-hmm. that with, with, I think, Jalen Brown. Where like I think there's more to his game than we even see sometimes because he's playing with someone else that is a little bit more of a fluid scorer than he is and does a little bit more on the ball. So I, I don't know. I, I think you could build, you could potentially build a franchise around him. I'm not sure if you'd be like a top tier team that way, but you, you know, if you built the team in the right way, I could see it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would take Jalen number one overall, it would be tough between him and who I'm going to take number two here. Um, okay. But I, yeah, I totally, I'm not going to quibble with that one. Uh, Jalen, and a really in- interesting point that you make about, um, you know, him playing with someone who's, uh, I think we both agree that Tatum is the better player and the first option, you know, when you're going in crunch time, like Jalen can get a bucket in a lot of different ways, but Tatum's probably going to be the guy, like the go-to sure. scorer down the stretch here for the next several years. And I remember I interviewed Jalen for a, a story um, for GQ last year, year and a half ago. And he told me, you know, I, I said something about how, hey, this was your first season averaging 20 a game. Like, what did you do in the offseason to kind of um, 
up your skill level, et cetera. And he just completely dismissed my question and was like, I could have averaged 20 last year, but uh, the system and the role just wasn't there for me. So that's why I didn't. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, yep, uh, that, that stuff, uh, that matters. And obviously he's supremely confident in his own abilities. Um, the player who I'm taking next is, I'm taking Jamal Murray. Uh, huh, okay. I, I, I wondered if you might do that. Jamal. I didn't think you would. Yeah, I love Jamal Murray. Um, he's just, he's, I mean, what is there to say? Like, the, the postseason pedigree is right up there with just about anyone for what he did in the bubble. Uh, 27 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds per game. Uh, 45% three-point shooting on seven attempts per game, 50% from the field overall, just a total nightmare. Uh, made some of the hardest shots look super easy, uh, really upped his ability to finish around the rim recently. And, you know, obviously he, he tore his ACL, which is a humongous bummer, but I think that you and I are in step when we say that uh, Jamal Murray is good enough to be the second best player on a title winning if not contending team based on where how everything was when he was healthy with Jokic who eventually won MVP so like Jamal Murray is just he's terrific I mean when you have someone who can hit pull-up threes who uh, is getting to the line a little bit more who's finishing around the basket who can make plays um, for others who just has gravity it's just it's really hard to, to pass that up in today's league yeah, I, I did not think you were going to go in that direction, but I mean, fundamentally, it makes sense. We're talking about him, and I think, well, I don't know. I don't want to assume too much about what your list would look like, but for me, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, it's a perfectly sensible choice. He he does have the injury, but I mean, what blew me away, and I guess I watched a lot more Nuggets games last year because I was really astounded by Jokic, and so I made a point pretty much any time I had an opportunity to watch them play, I did. And uh, Murray, even when he's not shooting particularly well, his footwork, he's got some of the best footwork that I've seen from a guard since Kobe. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and it's not its not that nobody notices how good his footwork is, but just the, the sorts of plays he's able to make and the space he's able to create for himself without being super explosive, without being a, a huge guard, um, you know, is a good shooter and so can get by people based on the way you have to close out on him. But, like, not – there's not anything about him. Like, I think his footwork is actually way better than anything about his explosion. Um, way better and way more unusual than anything about how big he is as a guard. Um, he just has really, really, really incredible footwork. Um, he obviously is playing with, you know, arguably the best big man in the game right now. Um, and so that, you know, that creates opportunities for him too. But – Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he was kind of dragging them across the line the year before last as far as, you know, the, like you said, the playoff performances and just these outbursts that were just ridiculous. So it, it makes sense to me. Um, I had him number three in mind. Uh, so I guess, you know, I'll tell you who I had number two it was Brandon Ingram. I, I would say part of this, if not all of it, is based a little bit on kind of projection. Uh, in the same way that I think when – Ingram was coming out uh the reason that some people thought he was the best pick I can't remember if Jeremy Wu from our own uh, magazine had him number one or not but there was the long back and forth I mean you looked at Ingram and it was really really easy to see kind of the makings of a Durant if for no other reason because of his build and his size and just how long the dude is and the scoring ability um and he's he's grown into some of that. I mean, obviously, as a scorer, he made the, the really big jump. What was it, in his second year or was it his third year um, that he made when he came out? And, you know, just he can really get you buckets. Now, where I understand and fully understand your idea to go with Murray first instead of him is that look at it this way. Murray's playing with Jokic, which is really great if you're a guard to be able to play with someone like that. Okay, Ingram is playing with Zion Williamson, so it's not like he's playing with nobody. Um, you know, so the idea that you know the Nuggets are able to kind of do what they're able to do, and the Pelicans were doing whatever the hell they were doing, uh, you know, you have to raise questions of someone there. But I do think stuff can get better there. I know that you tend to be very high on Zion. You tend to be pretty high on the thought that maybe the Pelicans can do something this season. Um, 
I think Ingram, because of his length, can grow a ton, similar in the way that uh, Durant did defensively. I think that really, it's not to say he doesn't have areas that he can work on offensively, um, as far as his ability as a passer and different things like that. Um, but defensively, he can get a lot better. And I think if and when he does that consistently, I would take his upside more so than than Jamal Murray's, who I do think has not, I wouldn't really say limitations where he's so below average in those things, but I think there's just more upside that Ingram has just because of his size. Um, and so I would I would still take him number two, but again, maybe not for right this minute or maybe for this minute since I guess Murray may not play much this year, but um, I would take Ingram a little bit higher than, than Murray right now. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rival, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. So to quickly recap, we have number one, Jalen, number two, Jamal Murray, number three, Brandon Ingram. Um uh, with the fourth pick, I, you know, I feel like getting spicy, and I think that that might be a tell to who I'm going to select right now. Wow, um, or who I'm you're going, not going to take right I'm, now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm going with Pascal Siakam. Wow. And, and uh, Wow. I'm um, stunned. He's coming off a really bad stretch that – you know, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the raw numbers, it really wasn't that bad of a season for him. I mean, efficiency-wise, it was horrendous, and he shot below 30% from behind the three-point line, and the it was just a nightmare season for everybody. He was suspended twice for conduct detri- detrimental to the team, I believe, uh, and so I think that his stock right now is extremely low, but like and and for an exercise like this also like his age you know he's higher than the the guy who I'm pretty confident you're going to take next um i think that that's also you know not going in pascal's favor a little bit but like pascal siakam before the bubble was you know one of i think easily one of the 15 best players in the nba probably towards the bottom of the, that list for sure but you know he just went up a level after they won the title, after Kawhi um, left, and he had to kind of assume greater responsibility. Uh, I thought that he made humongous strides in various areas um, as an outside shooter, as someone who has to create his own shot. Um, obviously, tremendous in the open floor, one of the better um, transition weapons in the game. So... I don't want to step on anything we're going to be talking about later, but uh, a lot of what happened this past season 
might not be, you know, a lot of the numbers that we saw might be thrown out the window in terms of what yep. it'll tell us about what's going forward. And I think Pascal was just a victim of uh, a really terrible circumstance. And he's just a really awesome basketball player, great two-way player. Um, and I think that he'll re- kind of reassert himself um, on that stage this upcoming season. Okay. I, I was not expecting that. It, it makes sense. I mean, I understand <laughs> it because I, I'm in lockstep with you and from the standpoint of last season was like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. For him, to mm-hmm. some extent, the Raptors, from everything from their outbreaks to not being able to play in their home country to, you know, because there are so many guys in and out of the lineup and the constant questions about Kyle Lowry, uh, like you said, you don't want to step on too much that we're, we're we may talk about later or that I might talk about later. Um, so that makes sense. I mean, and certainly I think it would have been a a logical argument before we saw last season play out the way it did. So you know, to think that he'll bounce back makes it fair to say that he you know you might have him above Simmons, who is who I had it for, and I guess now we'll put it five. I, you know, I think that the same way that we're talking about Siakam and how you have to show him some grace for um, what this last season was. I mean, we have to do the same thing with Simmons, I think, uh, because he did not have a bad season at all. Um, he had no. a horrendous postseason, and granted, it has been a few postseasons where he hasn't really been willing to shoot, but, I mean, the guy was still – was he was runner-up, I think, for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, was yep. he, I think, second in, in that? And, uh, he was. He was. You know, and, and, and still, you know, arguably like an all-NBA-level player. Uh, so I do think that we, we've kind of jumped the shark a little bit in terms of talking about how bad someone who already is, like, literally proven through awards and where he finishes in awards and stuff like that. Again, the question with him is, like, is he worth building a franchise around? And, you know, to some extent, when whoever acquires him is answering the question, yes, because you have him on the books for 35 mil a year, doesn't mean he's not good. It's just it's a context question. And uh, I mean, quite frankly, Siakam was facing a lot of those questions, too, after he struggled in the last postseason. um, Sure. You know, and and then this year. So, I mean, I think it doesn't mean that they're not guys you wouldn't take in the top five of a redraft like you absolutely would. And, you know, if you're lucky, you, you make hay with those guys as a fourth or a fifth pick in a redraft and you win a title because of it because they're not making $35 million. So who knows? Who knows how we would frame it? But um, the Siakam pick makes sense. I think Simmons would make just as much sense. Like, you just have to figure him out and figure out how to make him fit within what you're doing. You could do that. He might be worth even more than $35 million a year to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I obviously... I think Simmons was the obvious choice there. Uh, the, the when you you kind of look past him, it's like Buddy Heald, uh, Demontis Sabonis. I could see an argument actually for Demontis Sabonis at some point. You know who I put on my I, list? I, I had like three guys in that who? last spot. I um I actually had Brogdon on my list too. Oh, I like um, that. I like that. Yeah, be, because you know that that's one where if I've got a solid team already. And somehow I end up with a top five pick, maybe a trade with another team or something like that. I mean, that dude, there's so many guys. I, you know, we're, we're doing our top 100, you know, in the coming days at SI. And uh, I just please pray at for it, us. Just, yes, please send some extra ones for me because Lord knows I need it. But with him, just numbers wise, there aren't that many guys in the league that can do what he did. Averaging 20 a game. He's not like a star or a superstar. I think we all know that, but he's just steady, and he has been for a while. And it's interesting because I mm-hmm. I think a lot of people looked at the Bucks, you know, when they let Brogdon go and rightfully said this could cost them a title. You know, that first year they did lose a lot earlier than people expected in the playoffs without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was even, you know, arguably even better when he left uh, to go to Indiana. But then on top of that, it's interesting because the guy they won a title with is a guy that I describe in a lot of the same ways that I describe Brogdon, where he doesn't have any overwhelming weaknesses. He might not be like a legit, legit star in Drew Holiday, yeah. 
but Brogdon and Brogdon isn't either. But somebody that can go out and get you 20 points and play solid defense, in Drew's case, elite defense, um, it's weird because Drew's smaller than Brogdon, um, and Brogdon's better as a shooter, but I think Drew's reputation is is bigger and better. Um, but Brogdon is like a bigger version of Drew and less of a pure point guard than Drew, but like is bigger and shoots better. And I don't think we think of him in that same stratosphere, but... He's not that far off. He's the same sort of prototype as far as that sort of player where you could plug him into almost any team and he would probably make most teams better. And so I, I, I don't know if I would have had Brogdon in my top five, but he'd be damn close. He'd be really close in a redraft for me. A second yeah, round. I had him listed. You know. Yeah, yeah. I had him listed. Uh, Karis LeVert, uh, DeJounte Murray, just throwing out some other names, but I don't think any of those guys are you know warranting top five discussion but this was a fun this was a fun draft um the next year's draft 2017 which we're gonna quickly uh do the same exercise for i just, this draft is just so loaded and full <laughs> of philosophical arguments and debates and um this is gonna be really fun there's no distance too far for the perfect trip <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I, I have the first pick because... Um, I am the 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 host here. I'm sorry, Chris. So I I, I get to choose first. Okay. Um, and uh, I am going. I thought it was with, because I, I got to draft a... first in the 2016 one. But go ahead. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, but that 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 was by design, so I could get the first pick in this one. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't think it'll uh, you know shock anybody. I'm going with Jason Tatum here. Uh, he's. I mean, he's Jason Tatum. He's uh, an MVP candidate, uh, uh, going to be a, a scoring leader uh, candidate for years to come. Just has already kind of ascended as the face of the Boston Celtics. Uh, is coming off, I would say, a relatively disappointing year um, for him and for the team, yet still his numbers are kind of excellent. And just continues to improve as one of the better two-way players in the entire league. And uh, there are very few um, young talents who have accomplished more so soon in their careers and kind of made the, the leaps that he has from, from year to year. And his, he's just so like aesthetically pleasing to watch on top of it all. And I think that uh, this upcoming season, he's going to get to the line a lot more. 
um, which will up his efficiency. He's already got one of the better um, step back threes, sidestep threes. Uh, you talk about footwork with Jamal Murray, like Jason Tatum's footwork is just like sublime stuff. Um, still takes too many uh, uh, contested, tough mid-range pull-ups, but if those kind of slice down just a little bit, he, I think he can be one of the more um, efficient, high-volume, high-usage scorers in the entire league, and that's just like, that's the gravy that you want right there. Like that That's the most important skill, in my opinion, in the entire league, so I'm, I'm going with Tatum. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a no-brainer from where I sit uh, since I had Jalen Brown at one in my last draft. And uh, obviously, we were both saying that Tatum was the, you know, kind of the the Michael to Scotty. Um, so he's one. Uh, I went with Bam Adebayo for number two in this draft. Which, yep. Looking at your yep. face, it sounds like that's who you would have taken number two as well. Um, it and is. it's funny because I feel like if you crowdsource this, um, the sorts of analysts that think the way you and I do about the game would probably have these first two picks the same way. But I imagine if you crowdsourced it among like the the general NBA fan, uh, that the number two pick would have been a lot different. Kuzma, <laughs> <laughs> Kuzma might have gone number one a year or two ago. Before before he was off the Lakers, Kuzma would have went number one. Uh, if when when you have the people stuffing the the All Star vote ballots and stuff like that with Kuzma's name, but yeah, uh, Kuzma, my God. Anyway, yeah, so I think I, I think based on that, you know who we probably both are skipping over here, but I just think Bam, you know, in explaining that, Bam is just really, really well-rounded. Uh, you know, I, I'll just say it. I assume this is probably who you would have at three or close to three. Donovan Mitchell is the guy I think that most fans would probably have at number two behind Tatum. Uh, I, I think Donovan Mitchell is a great player. I think that he benefits a lot from he almost strikes me a lot of times as like a designated hitter on the jazz where he's not expected to do a whole lot defensively. Um, and quite frankly, because he's who he's out there with and Rudy Gobert, he kind of gets to just worry about scoring more. And, you know, they look a mess sometimes when he's not out there offensively. Um, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they are just fine without him. But you know, they play on a team where like a lot of his mistakes are cleaned up. And so I think he looks better on that team than he would with maybe some, a lot of others uh, because of the other balance that they have to kind of balance out what he doesn't do. Um, and I think that you actually could build a team more easily around somebody like Bam. Like, I think it's really rare to have like a Rudy Gobert type talent behind you to clean up those mistakes. And I think that Bam would actually be an easier player to kind of build around who you hope that he can do more offensively as a scorer. Um, certainly these last playoffs were not a ringing endorsement of kind of what he's able to do offensively, where Milwaukee was just leaving him alone at the free throw line, essentially. Um, but I just think that his, his ability as a passer, his ability as a defender, which he could very easily become someone that wins multiple defensive players of the year, if, you know, if Rudy Gobert ever decides to stop winning them. Um, you know, and I think he has the potential to be a really, really good scorer as well. So I would take Bam a little bit higher than I would have gone with Mitchell, but I don't know if Mitchell's your number three either. Uh, so real quick, Bam. Yeah, I would have taken Bam next. He actually is first in win shares in this draft class. And he's just like a, I know he's coming off a pretty disappointing postseason where, the Bucks were kind of daring him to shoot, and he refused to, which was a little disappointing to see given how successful his mid-range shot was throughout the regular season. Right. But this is someone. This is someone who just uh, like I think he's. If I had to have one player for one possession defensively to like win a game seven, I'd want Bam to be on the floor before anybody else. Like I, he's so versatile. Um, can switch screens and they had him switch switch screens almost exclusively last season while also um, being the anchor for a, a team that ran more zone than anybody else. So he can just do it all on defense. He's super smart. Um, a big who can play make also from the elbows, who can grab a defensive rebound and go the length of the floor, set up Duncan Robinson with those, uh, those quick dribble handoffs um, into quick threes, just like 
he's he's just such a smart cerebral player and as he continues to evolve and improve and nobody is evolving or improving faster than bam i think the offensive game will just be borderline unstoppable i mean i think about this game he played last year against the brooklyn nets where he hit a buzzer beater and he was just he looked like you know i'm not making comparisons to kd but offensively he had that mentality where he was just like rising up for pull-up jump shots um all Don't game let rohan hear and... this and <laughs> but uh, rohan checked out after the first 10 minutes of this episode <laughs> i can guarantee you that he rage quit um, the, but... he rage quit the podcast <laughs> exactly reset reset um so so yeah no bam definitely i love him uh i i am going number three uh donovan mitchell uh okay. Very similar player to Jamal Murray, in my opinion. A little bit more dynamic, a little less, um, I don't know if engaged is the right word. Maybe it is, uh, or just impactful on the defensive end. Like, I think Jamal Murray's taken some pretty solid strides defensively, um, and he's just a tiny bit bigger than Donovan is. And, you know, defense, I think, will be a little bit of an issue throughout Donovan's career. Uh, but offensively, he more than makes up for it and is just so ridiculously athletic. I mean, I think we forget that he won a slam dunk contest. Like, that's really wild to think about, given his stature in the league now. Uh, but anybody who can hit, like, uh, or take even, like, six or seven or eight pull-up threes and hit him at a pretty decent clip, who was in my opinion the i don't know if he's actually i don't know (laughs) i don't know if he's the best player on that team to be honest with you but um shout out to rudy but the utah jazz were just such a juggernaut last season and i think that they would have defeated the los angeles clippers if donovan mitchell was 100 percent healthy or even 90 percent healthy he just didn't look right because of that ankle um so shout out to him he's just he's a tremendous offensive um offensive talent and one of the brightest stars we have in the league right now yeah all right so that's your pick at three um i actually felt like Mm -hmm. four was pretty easy i went with De'Aaron fox and number four a guy Mm. that i think um you know i i hope (laughs) i i wrote this in my piece about weber that i was referencing earlier on the hall of fame and uh so since chris weber left the kings the kings have only made the playoffs one time uh, and the Kings have not made the playoffs now for 15 years, which ties the NBA record for the longest drought in NBA history. Um, I would love the Kings to make the playoffs anyway, just because I think it's good for the fan bases for them to get back there. I think it spreads the TV attention around a little bit. We just saw that with Trey. Um, I also would like for them to win just so that, you know, more people get exposed to how good De'Aaron Fox is, how fun De'Aaron Fox is. Um, he, he, I mean, the guy's just blazingly fast. Uh, got a lot better with the jump shot, which unlocks a whole lot of stuff when you already are that fast. Um, it's weird, and you know, not to give too much of our secret sauce away, but like we were having a discussion the other day, me, Michael, Rohan, and Jeremy Wu. Uh, the people that were working on the top 100 that we'll put out soon. And it's weird because the Kings have talent and that's kind of what we were debating. We had a bunch of people either on the top 100 or, you know, in the top 100 or in that discussion. Um, Right. But I I think that speaks to maybe, maybe not his flaws directly, De'Aaron Fox's flaws, but he plays with other guys that are talented. Maybe it speaks to, uh, Luke Walton and and maybe what he's not getting done as a coach, but there. I mean, it's watching Kings games to me. It's been fun for a couple years now. Um, they were like one of my favorite teams to watch two years ago, um, just because they play so damn fast. But De'Aaron Fox has really stepped up his individual game, certainly as a scorer, as a playmaker. Um, it hasn't been reflected in the team, you know, making it to the playoffs. They were close, I think, a year and a half ago or whenever that was. Um, close ain't enough, obviously, you know, in the Western Conference. But I hope they get back there just because he, he, he I think hands down, he is a franchise player. Um, I feel like you start to get more questions asked about that when you can't make the playoffs. But I think he's talent wise, he is skill wise, he is, but it just hasn't reflected and kind of resulted in wins yet. Enough wins. 
Yeah, I think it's the just the the power of your situation and and your context, right? Like we just talked about Donovan Mitchell. If De'Aaron Fox drops to the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell gets drafted by the Kings, like I don't, you know, I think we'll we would look at those two guys as we do now based on the teams that they were on and the systems they played in and the teammates most importantly that they had around them or if you know if Marvin Bagley was able to be healthy and um, that team won a little bit more I think De'Aaron Fox is, is, is tremendous I, I think I, I, I might be burying the lead right here I, I I totally agree with that pick and that's who I would also have and I agree I think he is a franchise player and they just need to put better pieces around him, um, despite the fact that we had in our first draft like 19 Sacramento Kings in the top 100. I, I, I know, but that but it speaks to like fit. You know, obviously, if, if you've got mm-hmm. talent and you know you've got talent, you're still not winning. It's either your coaching or it's the fit around those guys or with those guys. And so I think it's probably a little bit of both. I haven't been super impressed with with Luke Walton there. Um, but anyway. Who did you put at five? Because I feel like you asked for me in the outline to pick five and the order I draft them in. Uh, for all these, I picked at least six or seven people. So who did you have at five for yours? I mean, this is tough. This is this is really tough. Um, I could go in a lot of different directions here. There's, there's I, like I would hear arguments for Lonzo. Um, I would hear arguments for. Jared Allen, I would hear arguments for OG and Anobi. Uh if Jonathan Isaac were healthy, I would probably be picking him here because he's one of my favorite players in this class and I think talent wise, straight up, like he's he's right up there with um with almost anybody, like outside of the top three that we picked. Uh like Isaac is just Isaac is tremendous. Um the guy I'm going with though is uh is John Collins. And I mean I've always just been a huge fan of his game and his ability to produce so effortlessly. Uh bigs who just like bounce off of trampolines and provide that vertical spacing as lob threats um and can really rebound and he's he he showed in the playoffs last year that he can be an, an, a really great rebounder when he wants to be, particularly in the offensive glass. Um, I think his defense has come along um, last year, particularly when he plays beside, uh, beside Clint Capella, who's just a tremendous um, fit for him. And offensively, I think it's a little bit of a work in progress in terms of um, him creating his own shot, but he's been a really effective pick and pop three point shooter in running pick and rolls with uh, with Trey Young, and the individual independent shot creation, I think you do see some strides of that. Where he's just so fast, and he's got that first step that bigs who lunge out at him to try to contest that three just are just at his mercy. And so, from that perspective, he's really tough to guard. And I think you can plug him into almost any offensive system and he would be successful. And you saw that the the contract that he got was like astronomical for a reason. He's just a really, really good player. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a really interesting player for all those reasons. Um, the, the question that you raised about him, not really question, but the thing you said that he's got to take the next step with, is the same thing that I think I'm curious about with Michael Porter, which is just, okay, we've seen that you're incredibly efficient at scoring, certainly from your position as a, as a four. Um, And that's kind of what I'm wondering with, with somebody like Porter, which is, okay, now how, how efficient can you be when we ask you to be Jeremy Grant and you need to be our second guy, which that, that essentially Mm -hmm. is what Collins is tasked with, you know, to some extent, Bogdanovich kind of had that role as well as a guy that creates off the dribble a little bit. But, um, you know, that was one of the downfalls, I think, of the Hawks this year was just when Trey wasn't out there at times and Gallinari wasn't hitting everything in sight, which, you know, Gallinari is very hit or miss in the playoffs. Like, who else is going to score for us? Who else can score for us? And you'd like for Collins to be able to do a little bit more of that. But um, I love that they were able to keep him because even though you might have some questions about that, about whether or not, he's a guy that can grow in that sense. 
Um, not having him there, you would have lost him. I don't know. Maybe you could have signed and traded him somewhere, but you would have lost him for essentially nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. You're paying him maybe a little bit more than you'd want to, but you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt or anything like that, I think his trade value will be there. You can get something else for him. Very, very good player. He was one of two guys I had slotted at five. The other person that I had there was OG Ananobi, who you mentioned before, who I just yeah. think is, yep, yep, yep. you know, Mikhail Bridges. I think there are a couple other people you can kind of have on that list of just role guys. But I think the difference between Bridges and Ananobi, at least for right now, is I could kind of see I could see both of them taking a step to where they actually become stars and you don't really talk about them as role guys anymore. Um OG, I think, is a little bit closer to taking that step than Mikel is. Um, where I, I mean, you see him and just, I agree. just kind of he'll just kind of manhandle somebody and take him down, you know, into the post or to the basket um, in a way where I'm like, I didn't know he had that. He's really strong and really built, but um, you know, you you saw strides of that. That's one of the beauties I think of Toronto with how messed up everything was with last season and you know not being able to play at home and the outbreak that they had and the injuries that they had and everything else that was going on with Lowry, that everybody really got a chance to shine and to play in situations where another key guy was out. And even the year before that, that was the case. And guys had to step up with Kawhi not being there. Um, OG, though, just kind of looks like he might be on the cusp of really, again, making that transition from like high, high level role player to star. And if he does make that jump, uh, it changes a lot, I think, actually, for Toronto if he's able to make that jump um, because it becomes a team that, I mean, this will sound a little bit crazy, and it is. So, you know, it's not to say they're the exact same thing. They become very Warriors-like all of a sudden. Um, mm. If you, you know, if OG makes a step like that, you just have a a, a team full of dudes with arms the, the length of, you know, a highway sign or something um a bunch of different guys that can <laughs> score and you know again it's not a, com- a complete one-to-one comparison obviously because steph is the difference maker with all that stuff but a bunch of guys that can score a bunch of guys that can kind of handle the ball and you know can create a little bit off the dribble you don't have the steph level scorer but you do have at this point you would have like three or four guys in your lineup that can all give you 20 a game who can handle the ball a little bit who can all really defend and, you know, as much as we talk about the Warriors and what they're able to do, um, the Raptors are not a, a wildly selfish team. They're not, you know, the same level passers as the Warriors were. But those Warriors were really based on defense and, and having Steph's ability and then adding KD onto it. But they were really, really good defen- defensively. And, you know, the Raptors have always been really good defensively. Um, they've always been able to rotate a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. They've always been able to kind of switch a ton of stuff, which is what the Warriors at their apex were able to do and to be able to play those death lineups, which is you know kind of the same vein as what the Raptors are doing, which probably speaks to why they took Barnes in the draft where they did um, to have another guy like that. So I, I don't know. Him growing into a star would be transformational, I think, potentially for the Raptors. And um, you know, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he does this season. Yeah, um, I came very close to choosing OG Ananobi. He's tremendous. I have nothing bad to say about him. Uh, He's one of those dudes who's, there's like maybe, honestly, like four or five players in the league who you can really say can defend one through five. And OG, at least in the eyes of Nick Nurse, can defend one through five. Like, he'll throw him on Joel Embiid as the primary defender. He'll throw him on Simmons as the primary defender. He'll throw him on Seth Curry as the primary. Like, he's just, he's uh, so so versatile in a league where that is um, one of the more coveted um, characteristics that you want. Um, so, uh, Chris, I, 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 I know that uh, we've been teasing the uh, sustainability question this entire episode, but we're running a little bit long. So I want to actually hold on to it and do it justice because I don't want to rush through anything. Sure. And um, at the top, you know, I could have gone on and just read way more Kevin Gar- pro Kevin Garnett 
emails as well. <laughs> but we it turns out it, it turns out we probably read one too many because it just took. Uh, I'm looking at the clock right now, and um, we're pretty deep into this, so we're gonna get back to that in a, at a later um, in a later episode. Um, but uh, until I, I guess like later in this week Rohan um, might be just to tease it Rohan might be on with a, a special guest we don't know yet um, I will be traveling for a story that I am reporting uh, for the magazine that I'm very excited about that I can't wait to share with everyone um, but yeah Chris is there anything else you want to want to tell the good people before we kind of kind of get out of here and I I drop the reminder to email us all always at openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Chris, you got any parting words for everybody? Nope. Nope. Uh, not really. Uh, no, I, I look forward to, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think whether to be indulgent and be like, go buy my book. But we, 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 you prompted that at the beginning of a podcast several weeks ago, which was so kind to do that. But there's, but no, there's, I'm, I'm, there's no Michigan, Michigan, no Michigan football updates, nothing like that. No, they you looked good on people? Saturday, though. They looked really good on Saturday. They should be three and zero by the next time I'm on the podcast with you. Um, you know, if not four and zero, so they they look good so far. Uh, Jim Harbaugh'd be nice if he would throw the ball a little bit more, since we need might need to do that at some point during the season. But um, but when you're getting three hundred some yards a game against Washington, you live with it. So uh, I, I I can deal with it. I'm not. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm not in any position to complain about being two and zero when we only won two games all of last year. So I can I can live with this. But no, awesome. Well, that's wonderful to hear. I recall giving uh, Golliver, uh, who is also a Michigan fan, some some grief when they went through some tough times back when um, he was the co-host of the show. So look forward to that when Michigan inevitably falls on its face. I'm sorry. Oh, don't get mad at me. Say that. Um, <laughs> so, thank you so much once again to all of our listeners. Um, really look forward to, uh, to those emails. Keep them coming in um, until, um, until we record again. Everybody, please stay safe. Everybody, please continue to enjoy the offseason. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.